The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from The Other Side of Midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary... Based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. afternoon, good morning, wherever you are on this beautiful globe that today, this afternoon, tonight, sits in standstill. My name is Andrew Curry, and you are on the other side of the news. And my co-hosts tonight are... Timothy Saunders, good evening. And uh, Kintia, would you like to say... Kintia! <laughs> <laughs> Got you. <laughs> Nothing like getting it right from the start, is there? <laughs> I'm going to take it away. I'm still working on the page. So you, you, everybody out there, this is um, this is a, a show number one. It is April the third, two thousand and twenty, and we got lots of um, ground to cover. As you probably have a sense, or you might, or that went just from our introductions right off the top, we're going to be talking about COVID-19 and all the implications around it. And what we're seeking is to sort of find a, a more well-rounded look at whatever it is, this thing that is going on, which is obviously something, and it is dangerous. But with a thoughtful perspective and with some grounding in um, uh, you know, in, in, in good investigative uh, journalism and good ground truth, uh, witness testimony, and just basically thoughtfulness. We're going to try to wade through a lot of this and, and figure it out. And um, we're going to kind of go back and forth. We're, this is our inaugural show. Uh, it's, it's a, you know, a, an attempt at trying to extrapolate more of the other side of Midnight, which is, um, you know, uh, Richard C. Hoagland's program. And... Um, yeah, anybody, guys, guys, ladies, gentlemen, feel free well, to step in. I think it would also be good to say that it, it will also augment the uh, the ongoing uh, archive that has been built up over the years through Richard C. Hilton's uh, The Other Side of Midnight. So we have, you know, a huge collection of, um, you know, intellectual, fascinating, you know, experienced guests sharing their wisdom with us. And that's all available on, in Club 19.5 uh, on the archive. So, in those, in those those shows kind of give a, a tempo which is more 
um, of a discussion over the kitchen table, as Richard likes to say. The idea about this show, uh, at the moment uh, kicking off on Friday evenings, is to be a little bit more uh, to the point. It's, it's a shorter show. It's a two-hour show initially. Uh, we'll sort of see, put feelers out and see how that, um, that, that works out with everybody else. But what we'd like to do is to sort of move the pace along a little bit faster and to cover ground um, in, and sort of draw conclusions, logical dot connections and conclusions based on the nearest thing we can find to facts or, or you know, which are possible. So, sure, we're going to speculate, sure, we're going to discuss, sure, we're going to explore, but at the same time, we want to keep ourselves well-grounded, our feet on the ground, and uh, hopefully bring more meaning and understanding and calm, quite frankly, to a world where, you know, I've just seen this wave of hysteria follow me, and not just me, but follow everybody from east to west. Yeah, and Tim, those are excellent points, and everybody... Uh, you know, bear with us as, as we work this out because this was a, essentially a brainchild from three days ago. So, so we're bringing this together as quick as we can, and we feel it's important. It's um, something we've actually been talking about for a while, and uh, you know, to kind of continue the introduction. So, Kinthea is Richard Hoagland's producer on the other side of midnight, and she does you know a yeoman's work every Saturday and Sunday night um, here and or you know on the show, and. Tim and I are part of Richard's, uh, what he calls the Enterprise um, crew, mm-hmm. imaging crew. That's right. So we, we, we kind of all met initially when we did um, image analysis of the various space agencies on our planet, a lot of their imagery from around our solar system, and we kind of break it down, uh, look at it really closely, and again, make big you know, speculations, because until we really get there, we, we're not exactly sure for sure what we're seeing. But we're, what we've seen is some very interesting things. And that, that's a topic for another day, but that's kind of how we got to know each other. So this has been a bit of a brainstorm, a bit of a, um, uh, you know, we're, it's, it's a work towards hopefully something that if everybody enjoys it and we get a bit of a listenership and people find it worthwhile, we're going to continue on. Um, and we're just going to kind of share the baton you know, all night long and keep doing that as we move forward. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, to build the listenership, of course, we like feedback. So if, uh, if you'd like to send in any messages to us, uh, we need to sort of find a way to make that possible. Uh, maybe uh, we can go through the details shortly. Also, there's a possibility that we can do, take some calls later in the show. Uh, the first half an hour, um, we're going to sort of just uh, acclimatize ourselves. We have um, each of us a feature for this evening. Um, a feature is a big word, actually. Uh, two hours will pass quickly. But uh, we have, uh, you know, our selected subjects. We also have, um, in the same way as the other side of midnight, we have radio with pictures. So, you know, it'd be a leisure if you'd like to click on at any point, uh, the other side of midnight.com uh, website, and then come down to tonight's show, which we have an interesting name, which you can come back to in just a second. But if you click on the banner, uh, then below you'll see there are quick links to the bios for Andrew, Kintia, and myself, and also some, we, we've, we've included some uh, web links or some videos or some images or some text, for example. So uh, that's something which you may wish to do. 
as we as we uh, close for the evening. But uh, Andrew, let's let's talk about the title. Um, you know, clearly with Richard C. Oakland and uh, the other side of Midnight Enterprise Mission and so on, there is um, a connection and an origin. In fact, going back to Gene Roddenberry, yeah. or Gene Roddenberry, I should say, I guess. Um, but uh, Richard was involved um, as an advisor, I think, at one point um, with with Gene Roddenberry. Um, so, in in true tradition, we thought we would give a so a little bit of a Star Trek name for the first show uh, to pay homage to uh, to Richard and to Gene. And uh, the name of the show, Andrew? Yeah, Kobayashi Maru, Outmaneuvering the Simulation. So for those that don't know Star Trek, um, the term Kobayashi Maru refers to, uh, well, it first appeared, I believe, in the 1982 movie, Star Trek called The Wrath of Khan, and the essentially it's the the movie opens up with um, a Vulcan Savic, and she's in the command chair of it looks like a starship, and are surrounded surrounding her are Spock and um, Uhura and I think um, Bones and um, Sulu, and then plus a lot of other cadets in place, and and it looks like the you know real thing, but what we end up finding out is that it's a simulation. The cadet Savic is in the command chair, and she's basically having a lesson through the Federation uh, program, the Feder- Federation training. And essentially what it is is there is what's called the uh, neutral zone. So it's an area agreed to between the Klingons and the Feder- Federation of Planets um, that no one enters just because there's – various spacefaring civilizations, one being the Klingons, one being the Federation of Planets, and they're basically kind of at war with each other. They have this ongoing dispute. So there's a neutral zone that no one enters. In the simulation, there is a uh, civilian tanker, I believe, but anyways, it's a civilian vessel called the Kobayashi Maru, and the cadet, who's commanding the simulation, uh, receives, or the the, the command uh, uh um, bridge receives a distress signal from this civilian ship. So the cadet has to make a decision on what to do. If, if he or she enters the neutral zone, it could start a war. If they leave the civilian ship because they've been damaged somehow, they could lose the civilians. So it's it's a test of, of character. It's a test to see what, what they would do under stress. The caveat of this test is when you do go in, you basically have started a war, which is, you know, essentially what happens in the simulation. Three Klingon ships appear, and the Kobayashi Maru, essentially all communications is lost, and essentially you lose the simulation, because it's a no-win situation. And that's, that's yeah, and that's that's basically the idea. And, we, and it, it also appeared in the 2009 reboot of Star Trek by the director J.J. Abrams. Um, and it's essentially a test of what would you do if you had to face death as a cadet. And, of course, in Star Trek lore, um, Captain Kirk w- took the test three times, and on the third time, he passed. Well, he passed because he cheated. He reprogrammed the, 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 the um, simulation to basically win it. So he was, you know, he, he found a unique way to sort of overcome this no-win situation. And that's kind of why we chose this title, as Tim said, as an homage to Gene Roddenberry, the creator of the Star Trek um, universe and Richard, who has very much brought this concept forward, and you know, it, it is an area, Tim and Kinthea, that you know, I think that we're on the 
the baby steps towards, and it's hopefully for a future show to discuss these kinds of things, meaning we are fast becoming, if we haven't already become, a spacefaring civilization ourselves. But in this scenario, with this ongoing virus situation, it looks like we're in a no-win situation. And so that's the... That's the explanation behind well, it. Well, that all depends on uh, on perception, the perception of our reality. It all depends on if uh, if you if, if a person plugs into watch CNN or the news or other bro- news broadcasters are also available. Um, if, if if people watch the news twenty four seven, then the world looks terrible, have, yeah. frankly. But on the other hand, if if you do not plug in to the television and you read. Um, you know, distinguished authors, writers, researchers, journalists, independent people. If you start looking to see, um, cutting through some of perhaps some of the sort of wilder conspiracy theories, but in between the wild conspiracy theories and the mainstream media, there are a growing number of um, nuggets of information which really do start painting a very different picture from what we're seeing on television. And that is one of the, the, the subjects that we want to highlight this evening. And I guess due to the magnitude of you know, the, the potential problem around the world, then I guess we're going to be talking about this in the future and future shows as well. So, uh, Kobayashi Mu, I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation, I'm not even sure which language it is, um, but uh, the idea that Kurt cheated, again, I think that's, that's a, not maybe the best <laughs> well, to, to describe that, I think that he... Uh, he changed the he, protocols. <laughs> he changed the protocols, he changed the criteria and came yeah. out winning. And frankly, I think that we all need to come together uh, and to be smart and to come out winning with this as well because, um, you know, there are any number of stories that we can, we can kick off with. But it, it seems that for somebody who is uh, suspected to have a, a corona-type or COVID-type virus, and then they're tested, or even symptoms which could be similar to what is, what is perceived to, to, to be, um, you know, some of, the, some of the symptoms of the sickness from, from this, this alleged coronavirus, then straight away there's like a, a distancing, there's, there's a, a test done, now, I've heard from various sources that the test is, is at best, 50% accurate. So, imagine, imagine a world where, uh, for example, let's just take something very, very similar, very, very, very digress, but let's say a pregnancy test is 50% reliable. Would anybody accept that? Would people, uh, you know, change their entire life on, on that sort of level of accuracy? So, the, the test, it seems, does not even individualize COVID-19, COVID-19 being 2019 when it was uh, uh, came out into, into our universe, apparently. Um, so that the test is not accurate, the test does not even, even confirm it is COVID-19, it only tests that there is a type of corona or COVID-type virus. Um, so, let's say the person who shows symptoms, they're given this test, and then straight away, uh, they're isolated, um, perhaps, you know, in an isolation ward in a, ho- a hospital, excuse me. Um, given the test, the test, well, what does that mean? 
test says, okay, you have some form of reaction to something. It doesn't say which virus, it doesn't say which type, which type, it doesn't confirm even 100% accuracy. Accuracy, but then of course there's a shutdown. So family can't visit, family can't speak with them. Everything is done at arm's length. Um, and then self-isolation. I've heard of one particular person who um, showed symptoms. They were given a test. The test came back positive. Uh, so what would you naturally assume would happen there would be, okay, you may go home and self-isolate for two weeks. But no, they were, they were put into a ward of other people who also were suspected to have coronavirus. Isn't that the worst place to uh, to go to make sure that it's, you know, we actually definitely will catch this? So, in my opinion, the path, the pathway to heal, the pathway to become free, um, is something which is slightly akin to the, the Kobayashi rule. And I think we need to find a way out. It's not to escape, it's not to cheat. It's, it's a way to legitimately take logical steps, calm steps, um, to calm fear into understanding and to actually really discern what, what we're dealing with here. Yeah, and Tim, we, you know, tonight we're going to cover a lot of areas and, and as, as we were saying off the top of the show, um, we're going to, you know, hopefully later on get um, some audience feedback, whether it's your own sort of ground truth or your own sensibilities about what's going on. And we're not trying to diminish in any way what's going, what's happened in, in China and what's happened across the globe, what's happening in the United States right now. We are in no way, for people who have suffered and people who, you know, people who have lost loved ones or friends um, to this disease, we're in no way suggesting it's it's not there. It's just what we're perceiving is... <sighs> Tim, what's the best way to say this <laughs> in a ginger in a gingerly like way? Well, and I, I, I also everything I say is is with absolute respect. I mean, there yes. are there are people becoming, you know, there are people getting sick out there, and uh, I have a terrible echo. I'm going to just mute myself and come back. So yes, the very important point is I do not deny you know, there is definitely a a virus. There are definitely people, some people getting sick, and there are people unfortunately passing away. And you know this is um, you know this is terribly unfortunate. But on the other hand, uh, it does not mean that the entire world is going to go this way. Um, so there are there are some nuggets of information, like I say, for example. Uh, one thing that stays in my mind from, uh, from from the last few days is is that some statistics and statistics is a very interesting term or estimates. But for example, the number of people who actually died from respiratory and pneumonia and uh, lung disease and so on in the United Kingdom last year in 2019 in the month of March um, was something in the, in the region of 11,000, which which is a terrible thing. Uh, 11,000 souls. However, this year, one would assume with the outbreak of you know, COVID-19, with the coronavirus, whatever we like to give it, whatever name we like to give it, one would assume it'd be much higher, surely. Um, but in fact, in March this year, the number remained around 11,000 people passed away from the same type of uh, lung uh, pneumonia and respiratory uh, problems and so on. But the, the difference is, this year, um, 
I think what's happening is is that people, when they pass away on their, their death certificate, um, they're being written down as a victim of COVID nineteen or coronavirus. So, what's what's the, the big picture? What's the difference? Um, in in obviously on a one to one level, and this is this is why I'm trying to be desperately respectful to people who actually are sick and have actually have passed away, uh, or people who passed away in my family, but. My point is that if the numbers are the same as they were last year, last year there was no COVID-19, so why has the whole world shut down? Why are we being fed this 24 hours a day on the news? Why are the governments flying drones around uh, asking people where they're going uh, with loudspeakers below them and so on and so on? Why, why is it turning to this sort of dystopian state? Yeah, and to add to that... Um and it's the angle I'll come to when we sort of move to my items, is that, you know, I, I come from a background of advertising, and I'm pretty um, steeped in that area. Uh, and I recognize a marketing program when I see it. And, I, again, with all due respect and with the understanding that we're dealing with something here, but we have examples on this planet of some societies that are just working out Fine, and we'll, we'll cover that when we come back from after the break, uh, which is, you know, coming shortly. But my point is, there is this immediate focal point, this immediate tip of the spear coming through, at least, I mean, I, I come from Canada. I, I live on the west coast of, of Canada in a, in a city called um, Vancouver, Metro Vancouver. North, North Vancouver to be exact, so just above Seattle in the Pacific Northwest. And I have noticed a real trend in our media towards, I, I don't want to say cheerleading, because if that's not the right term, um, you guys, but it is a almost overly enthusiastic, and I say enthusiastic with, with air quotations, push towards raising the level of anxiety and literally micromanaging the way we should live and behave. And again, in the framework of a real crisis, this would not be, you know, probably a problem. But as Tim sort of laid out, does do the statistics, does the science, does the math really add up for the kind of response that governments, that officials and that our media around the globe have or has, you know, heightened this 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 scenario. And then I think that's the kind of question. That's the kind of places we want to probe. Well, I think that a parallel, and it, it's something which many of us can reach back and remember. Um, some of our listeners may be too young to remember, but if we go back to the the Gulf Wars, and again, it's sort of jumping from one. Uh, unfortunate story to another one, but I remember uh, it was around the first Gulf Wars around the early 90s. Um, I remember I was actually just uh, going through my thesis, finishing my graduation at that time, and you know, at that point I did still have the television on all the time because it was just like this unbelievable window to, or this window to an unbelievable reality. Um, now, my father, he's passed away uh, not of coronavirus, actually, but um, many years ago. But he, he was a news gatherer, a filmmaker, and a, a cameraman. Um, so he was used to going out to 
collect news. That's what he did all of his life. And he did actually go out to um, uh, the Middle East at this time. And what was very interesting is, you know, the stories that came back from him didn't quite match with what uh, was seen on television. And uh, again, this is, you know, it, it sounds so naive to say this now, but at that point I realized, you know, what you see on TV is not what's happening in the rest of the world necessarily. Um, but at that point, I remember it was the first time when news news uh, agencies were started just to stream 24-7. And when there were lulls in the news they had to report, then they would start to, you know, not get excited as their own word, but to sort of get nervous or start to speculate, what if, what if, what if, you know, what happens if this happens, what happens if this town falls, what happens if we put more troops in and so on, and what happens if we do find these weapons of mass destruction and so on which were never found, by the way. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole, the whole world was on, not on lockdown, but they were, they were just absolutely focused at this, this area in the world and totally trusting uh, the news agencies. Now, yep. that sorry, was, I was just going to say, that's one of the first times when I realized that the stories my father told me after returning from that area, the world, were different to what I'd seen on television. The photographs he showed me were different to what I'd seen on television, and so on and so on. So that was one of the first times when this news, 24-hour news streaming, in my opinion, after the news headlines were read, and then, then the speculation, then there's a real, well, what do you show now? So you start using statistics. So, you know, you start looking at curves, you start looking at trends. And then that also brings another parallel I guess the break is coming up in a couple of minutes, but I'd see if I can squeeze it in. But there was um, a movie not so long ago as well, uh, which was very influential, and uh, it was called uh, An Uncomfortable Truth about climate change, about global warming. And this graph, you know, absolutely shot off the side of the screen in this presentation. And it was like, oh my God, look how steep this graph is. Look what it means. If you project this high, you project it there, you know, it means we're all going to die within, you know, within so many years and so on. Now, again, that took an awful lot of focus from a lot of people around the world. It, it passed a lot, of, a lot of legislation changed. A lot of people, uh, industries were, were modified. You know, just look at catalytic converters. You look at uh, the whole different um, emissions from cars. You look at the whole problems that Volkswagen had in, in the United States and so on. I'm not saying, I'm not blaming one on the other, but just I'm saying that the knock-on effect um, were huge. And ultimately, you know, ultimately along comes somebody else and says, well, actually, that extrapolation, that estimate... Uh, didn't happen because by 2020 the sea didn't boil uh, and this didn't happen and that didn't happen and actually there's more ice in, in uh, you know in, in, in the extremes of our planets than there was before so maybe that whole model that estimated model is not working so again this is a very long subject and we're coming up to a break but I just wanted to put two uh, two examples on the table where world news focused on a very, very negative, negative outcome. Um, predictions were made, estimates were made, graphs were shown, people were, had fear um, you know, pushed into them, and yet we lived through them, and those things didn't actually occur as they were estimated or predicted. So you know, the question is, 
is that's what's happening now. So I'm going to park, park my monologue now and over to you. Yeah, and Tim, just to kind of, as we head into the break, as Richard is off to state, Gene Roddenberry said to him, but Dick, if it's not on TV, it's not real. And what we're seeing on TV, is it real now? We'll be back after the break. Timothy Saunders and myself, Kinthea. This is our maiden voyage, and the show is Kobayashi Maru, Out Maneuvering the Simulation. To get to the page, you need to go to the other side of midnight.com and click on the show for April 3rd, Kobayashi Maru. Thank you. Okay, great. So, um, what we're going to do now is we're going to begin to look at some of our. Uh, sort of areas where we've kind of um, segmented this segmented this out and we're going to each sort of take a turn at, at kind of covering some of the areas of our own interest in this whole scenario. Okay, so if you go to and tap on that um, show banner, show page banner, and you'll come to our fast links and you go to my 
items. So it's Andrew's items. And and for those that don't aren't aware of what Radio with Pictures is, this is a bit of a tradition that Richard C. Hoagland developed, and now we're actually noticing Coast to Coast does it, and I believe um, Heather Wade does it. So lots of people have kind of um, copied Richard, and it's it's been great, and it's actually a really neat way to kind of interact. And now because everybody's got a digital device of some sort, you know, you can listen to the show and follow along. Also, with these archives, or I mean with these lists, they go into the archives along with the show, and we, and Kinthea even in the past has often added new links and new new things that we might talk about on the show or a guest talks about. So um, this is a, a big feature that is really helpful these days. So if you, anyways, go to my items, Andrew's items, and you look at number one. We're going to click on number one. Okay. So my poster, what I've showed is I, I call it marketing fear. And it's one of the things that I've noticed is this, um, you know, it almost reminds me of if, if you take a magnet and put a bunch of little filings, the magnet will just, you know, all the filings will just grab onto that ma magnet and hold it there in a little pile. And that's what I'm knowing. Um, that's what I'm noticing is happening with um, a lot of the stuff coming out of the news. And my son actually passed this on to me. He said, "Hey, Dad, what do you notice about this graph?" What I've done is I put up a graph from one of our news publications called the National Post here in in uh, Canada. And there's a graph. There's a little description going on. There's a graph that says deaths by province in giant capital letters, and it shows all the deaths that have happened so far um, from COVID-19 from our various provinces. What he pointed out to me is he goes, do you notice anything skewed on this graph? And I said, not really. It's kind of colorful. It looks pretty scary in Ontario, British Columbia, and Quebec for how many people have died. Um, but what are you seeing? And he goes, look at the Y axis with the Y axis being the vertical axis. And I go, yeah, what about it? He goes, well, it just goes to 35 deaths. Uh, meaning that in Ontario, there's been 33 deaths so far. This was as of April the 1st. In BC, at that time, there was 24, and in Quebec, it was 31. And I said, yeah, so? And he goes, well, 35 makes is, is, the, is their ceiling. Why can't we make it 10,000? Why can't we make it 1,000? I said, oh, you know, you're right. So what his point was is that when you make the – this is like what Tim said. You, you, make a gra you can make a graph look frightening. You can make it look any way you want. I mean, it may be accurate, but by keeping the ceiling at 35 and not, let's say, 200, not that we want 200 deaths, but – it just looks very frightening because it's hit the ceiling. So that, that was the first one I wanted to bring out. And I've seen a number of these kinds of graphs. Now, someone might argue, well, that's the way it's usually done. And I would say, well, no, in this case, it's, a, it's another emphasis on, you know, in, in, inciting fear, like big, bold colors, you know, like this is how high it is now and not with a sense of like, well, the Y axis could be a lot higher. What do you, what do you guys think about that, Tim or Kinthea? Uh, well, absolutely. I think this just reminds me of the, uh, um, you know, the uncomfortable truth when this, this, you know, astounding conclusion came that the graph would not even fit on the screen anymore. It was like yeah. just thrusting off the screen. It was just so big and so bad. And of course, you know, it, it's all a question of what you want to show as exactly as you say. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Thank you, Tim. And I, uh, and I, you know, I, we're going to try to contain ourselves here to a certain amount of time, everybody. So I'm going to move through my stuff pretty quick. On my number two, um, I took a screen grab of our of a local um, newscast called Global TV News, and I will might get into briefly who who owns this 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 corporation. But the newscaster comes on, and she comes out and says. Quote, COVID-19 has now claimed more lives than 9-11, unquote. 
And then I put a picture of, of New York with the two twin towers smoking um, from, you know, when it happened. And I'm thinking, so you now have made a marker. You have now said the number of deaths have passed the number of deaths from 9-11. So you've immediately identified, you've triggered another anxiety. You know, New Yorkers know this very well, but anybody on the planet who was aware of 9-11 um, knows that it was a it was a seminal event in the United States and across the world because it, it hit at the heart of America on a number of fronts. And it showed that we are vulnerable here in the West, just as anybody else is anywhere else. And we don't need to get into, you know, all the, the details around that. But the point is she made, they made, she was reading off a script. Oh, look, this is, you know, a 9-11 event. This is, well, maybe not a 9-11 event in terms of, um, um, you know, terrorists, but in term or, or whatever that might, you know, really be behind it. But in terms of like the heightened fear of like, remember this, we're going to go now past that. And we're going to go even higher. We're going to take the stakes higher. Then there was a correspondent coming out of Britain in the same telecast, which she kind of tipped off to. And this reporter is standing near, I think it's called Westminster bridge in London. And he's standing a very handsome guy. And he's sort of pointing away at the bridge. And I, and I want to read what he said. He goes, Westminster Bridge there is like that scene from the movie 28 Days Later. There is silence across the city apart from the sirens. News today that a 13-year-old boy died, his family saying that he was healthy, suggesting that he didn't have any underlying conditions. Boom. He's hit all the key points. First of all, he's compared London to the movie, the 2002 British post-apocalyptic film, or horror film called 20, 28 Days Later, which was all about um, basically a, a virus, a deadly virus that was highly contagious that essentially turned everybody into these crazed zombies that were basically biting everybody. And so immediately rat, you know, rat, rat, wrenches up the fear factor right away, just making that identification. And in my poster, I show a scene from the movie in the same place that he's describing where, where this is happening. Then he starts to talk about... Um, a, a young person, because as you know, up up to a, a few weeks ago, we have been under the impression that most people who have suffered from COVID nineteen tend to be older, um, tend to be like senior, you know, p seniors, and tend to be people who definitely have underlying symptoms, and that you know, younger people don't generally seem to be getting it, although some have. Um, and immediately, we have this identifier with with a thirteen year old boy that uh, that allegedly. Uh, died from this from this disease. So this is my point: is that we see this over and over again in the media of of sort of ratcheting up the fear level. And I noticed it uh, right off the bat, and I notice it definitely in in my my local media. Um, does anybody want to comment about that? Anyway. I'm going to come back to where you were talking about the statistics, and and they're not really showing the accurate. So I have a friend who called me up, who has a, a nurse friend in New York. And the nurse was filling out the death certificates for the ones who had pneumonia and bronchitis. And she was told to fill them all out. Well, when she came back the next morning, all of the certificates that she had filled out with bronchitis and pneumonia had been changed to COVID-19. Now, I tried to get a hold of the nurse to verify this. So I stress here, this is third-party information. But my friend knows the nurse, and hopefully she'll come on. Because that really sent chills down my spine. 
Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to I'm going to get I'm going to jump back into my items cuz I know we want to move on from me pretty quick. And it's and so we'll go to my number 2 and it's uh I created a video cuz my my son, my my eldest son sort of said to me, he goes, "Hey dad, do you know there's a game called Plague Inc?" Now, Plague Inc is a real-time strategy simulation video game and it was developed by a a UK uh based games studio called Nedemic Creations. And essentially the idea is that the player creates a pathogen. This is the game. And the quicker they can sort of consume the world in uh, a global pan- pandemic and basically infect the entire planet, the more points they get and you win the game. Now, there is another option for this game. By the way, it was uh, first published, it was developed and published in 2012. Um, there is another scenario for the game, and that's called the fake news pandemic. Now, this is the game that he played for me, and what I did is I filmed over his shoulder. So it's a link. I won't. I won't. You, you, it's it's just under ten minutes. It's like nine minutes and thirty six seconds. I would suggest when you have a chance after the show, have a look. It is very interesting because it's literally like a script for what we're seeing now. And I'm going to give you a couple of highlights, and then I'll, I'll move right off of it. I, I gotta just, go to my just notes. one one point, Andrew. Yeah. You you said the name of the the, the game designer, the, the the company that produced the game. Can you say it one more time, please? Um, it's spelled N D E M I C Creations. So I think it's Demic Creations. Maybe a silent Endem- Endemic. 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 So okay. sort of playing on pandemic. Yeah. Okay. You're but, right. But, it, but it's also um, I thought you'd said something else. There's a, there's a Turkish word which is uh, Nedemek which means uh, sort of, what's this? You know, what, what's this? Yeah, what do you mean? What's this? What's going on? It, it's that sort of thing, but it's not. It, it's endemic. I think it's coming from pandemic. Yeah. Well, it's, it's fascinating. Well, I don't want to get, I just want to get a couple of um, points here. Essentially, in, in five minutes in this game, my son had, quote unquote, infected 33 million people in, in the simulation across the planet. In other words, he had created memes and um, gone on the internet again in the game he had used bots he had used all levels of social media and um, from um, posters and pamphlets and and essentially as you do these you use these sort of um, um, prompts you get more points and literally in five minutes he had 33 million in under 10 minutes he infected the entire planet infected quote unquote one of the last things he said and I'll, I'll quote this is he said um, one of the last things that was done was that you attack the critics. You attack the critics, critics, and then you gain more credibility. This is, again, with this fake news pandemic in this game. And what happens is at that point, the mass media begins to promote and push the agenda. And one of the last things he told me is he says the, the sort of coup de, coup de gras or the, the sort of final stroke was – the game tells the player that once you add a face to the information, it becomes believable. In other words, they're using facial technology within the game to take famous people and have them literally speaking the truths or the false truths about this pandemic and sending that message. And as soon as you get these, these celebrities or these scientists or these people in the game mimicking these, these um, statistics and these memes – the game basically went to the end and, and the entire globe was red. It, it was, it was an amazing um, thing that I watched him do. Now I want to say one thing about this, this company. Um, 
the they recently announced the gaming company recently announced that they had donated a quarter of a million dollars um, split between two different organizations, one called the Coalition of Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, and the other was the World Health Organization. Now, I, I quickly looked up what this CEPI is, the Coalition of Epidemic Preparedness Innovations is, and it's a, apparently it's a global alliance financing and coordinating the development of vaccines against emerging infectious diseases. So it's very interesting. Like That's yet another area, you guys, where we're now starting to see some you know, well, we need a vaccine, right? And then what does that mean post-virus? You know, what, what is that going to be going forward? What does that mean to us? But anyway, so th those are two items I want to talk to. I'm going to talk about some other items later on. I know we have to move on from me. Um, they're kind of important data points that I think will really be interesting for the audience, but I'll, I'll kind of put that on hold for now and, and pass, pass on to our next presenter. Well, Andrew, just may I just make a point before we do very, very quickly, sorry if sure. I squeeze in, Kintia. Uh, this reminds me of one of the conversations we're having in the week where, whereby we're talking about certain figureheads in, in, in the world are, uh, you know, basically mm -hmm. saying they're showing symptoms of, of uh, the virus and then locking themselves down and sort of self-isolating. This is before everything had escalated on a global sense in the last, uh, in the last week or so. But for example, you know, certain people like um, the chief uh, negotiator for Brexit for the European uh, Union, he, he apparently uh, he, he went down with the symptoms of the virus. Um, Boris Johnson did. He went down with the symptoms of the virus. And um, Tom Hanks, you know, certain people. Uh, Tom Hanks, for example. I mean, from from my age, he was an actor which I I kind of enjoyed when I was uh, younger. I, I sort of thought he was he comes across as a sort of a you know, a, a true uh, solid character, somebody you sort of, you know, look up to, somebody who generally pulls through and sort of, you know, things like The Green Mile and, and even in sort of, you know, strange, strange movies where unusual things happening, he's usually sort of the well-grounded person um, who comes through and, and does the right thing. And uh, it's amazing how he uh, is somebody who just happens to announce to the world that he has it. And, uh, you know, it, it's almost like another way of, another pressure point it, it's like saying the same way as that you, you were saying Andrew that 9-11 was brought into the same conversation yeah that same Westminster Bridge where there was a, another terror incident or at least one terror incident recently oh yeah two years right. yeah, on yeah, the yeah. same bridge as the same thing with that the movie 28 days later and so on it's all like pushing you know pressure points in all of us um different societies, religions, uh, you know, different demographics and so on. So it, it, it's just a question of, you know, it's, it's like the media is trying to expose us, trying to make, remove confidence, trying to remove calmness, put people into fear mode, put people into uh, sort of, you know, fight or flight mode. And then actually people can flip. They, they start behaving completely differently. You know, yeah. They want to survive. They want to get their toilet rolls. They want to get their, you know, have their six meters around them or six feet around them. And if they don't, they're going to get angry because they feel threatened. And that's when people start to flip and change. And I think that, that is probably one of the things I'd really like to address this evening is that, you know, without calmness, uh, you know, it, this is going nowhere. So... We all need to calm down. We need to understand. And to understand, we need to learn 
what the source of the fear is. Fear is basically lack of knowledge. It's the unknown. You know, people are scared of what they don't know, what they don't expect. So that's why you know I'm I'm very open to I'm very open to take all uh, possibilities on board. I'm very happy to look at everything. Um, I don't want to be tarred or, or, or judged or, or you know be, be put into a certain pigeonhole that I, I sit on this side or that side. I'm only interested in the truth and the truth based on as near near the facts possible. And uh, you know that also means that if, if on the news. Uh, I'm hearing there are tens of thousands of people passing away, unfortunately, then, okay, uh, are these people being recorded? Are they being tested 100% for COVID-19? Are these people even able to be tested? Is there a test even? So these questions come up. Anyway, I I don't want to take up too much time, but I just think it was interesting to come back to that point. Well, and Tim, just to kind of finish up what I was saying, so just to make it clear why I recorded this over my son's shoulder is because it's literally like a script of what we're seeing now. Again, like Tim says, if we take a slightly different perspective and look at how this is rolling out through the media, through all channels across our planet, through this big wide web that connects us all together, and we start to trace how this is being done, it, it just eerily is reminiscent of this of this game. And I am not suggesting in any way that the makers of this game have planned this or are a part of it. But I'll tell you one interesting factoid. Last month, China banned this game. Now, isn't that interesting? Well, it, it's, it's not in the best taste, is it? Let's face it. I mean... Uh... It's not. Especially if you know if China has, but I think it, it, it's to, to digress slightly more. I think what's very interesting is that when people are self-isolating, they're sitting at home. I'm sure the the spike for internet usage for bandwidth has just gone through the ceiling. That that is that is a graph I could believe going through the ceiling. Um, and you know that that's that's amazing uh, that. We're now in a position where we're self-isolating and we're using the internet like hand over fist, bandwidth, hand over fist. So it really does beg the question of like, you know, I wish I had faster connection. I wish I had, you know, fiber optics. So I wish I had 5G, which is, you know, a very, very topical thing at the moment. But on the other hand, there are a lot of people saying that the 5G itself is a very harmful um, setup. And, uh, you know, it's 5G the symptoms that come from 5G, which have not actually been tested, seem to be rushed, being rushed through. I mean, again, I, I don't want to just repeat everything that we hear, but, you know, the symptoms from 5G seem to be very similar to the symptoms of COVID-19. Okay. That's, that's a very big, you know, correlation. And then because we're self-isolating, we all want to use the internet, we all want a faster connection, which therefore, you know, creates a demand to say, oh, well, you need 5G which will then, of course, bring more symptoms like COVID-19. So I, I don't see that this is a, this is like a self-fulfilling prophecy. No, fascinating, fascinating points, Tim. And I, yeah, and, and like we say, it, it's like we said, that, you know, there are some interesting, in my third item uh, in, in radio with pictures is uh, number three. It, it says why Taiwan hasn't shut down its economy. So I don't know if everybody's aware of this, but Taiwan uh, who sort of tries very hard to stand apart from China, and they do, 
uh, is fully functioning in their society. Their schools are open, their public transportation is running, their public buildings are open, and people are carrying on with work. Now, they had the unfortunate um, experience of SARS from a few years back. So they were very prepared when they started to see what was happening. Now, here's another fact. Taiwan is not part of the World Health Organization. And there's been some very, very funny things going on around that. I'll give you one example. Um, there was a, a Canadian doctor who was part of the World Health Organization. I can't recall his name. I believe I have. Yeah, I do. It's number four. It says Canadian WHO, WHO official who dodges the reporter's question regarding Taiwan. Anyways, the reporter at this Taiwanese reporter starts to ask this doctor various questions, and then she brings it to the topic of Taiwan. He freezes, looks at her through the Skype, and says, I didn't understand your question. Yeah, people can go and look at this link later. And she says, what about allowing Taiwan to be part of the WHO? And he suddenly you see him reaching forward and turning off Skype. Then a few minutes later, the, the reporter and her, produ her producer, or however they were doing it, I mean, they were in the separate rooms, um, called him back. And then he says, well, I've already answered all the questions about China. There, there's a lot of funny business going on with the, and a lot of sensitivity with China in regards to Taiwan. And I found it so interesting that it was a Canadian doctor who was acting like he didn't understand um, a plain question anymore. And when, especially when it came in regards to Taiwan, which fully functioning – they are a, a population of just over 23 million in an island that's the si that's slightly larger than what we call out on our west coast, Vancouver Island, and they have five deaths as of today. Five deaths. Now, you can read the articles and see how they dealt with this situation, but I'll tell you another, another quick one. The country of Belarus, all right, the country of Belarus was still holding soccer matches in their stadiums until recently. Now, that's a former state of the Soviet Union. They just recorded their first death of a 75-year-old gentleman who had underlying health issues just the other day. They are fully open and functioning. So there are some inconsistencies going on around the planet which are not being discussed openly and in a mature way by our media or by at least our public officials here in Canada. And this is what really disturbs me. Andrew, just out of interest, is Belarus a member of the World Health Organization? That I'm not sure of. I, I did not look, Tim, but they are apparently just fine. And they are doing less measures than even Taiwan. Taiwan has a whole series of protocols. It's very interesting to read about them. A whole series of protocols for their population. Uh, they are a democracy. They have a very interesting form of government. They resist very much. Um, you know, you know, basically China considers them one of you know theirs, and Taiwan says absolutely no. There's a lot of interesting politicized po political maneuverings going on behind the scenes, Tim, and there are a lot of tentacles going out into the world. Just like I say, with this Canadian doctor is one example. And now, you know, I got, I had a, a this, this Belarus scenario where there's even less measures being done, at least at this point. And they are at this point just fine. Anyways. <laughs> You're listening to The Other Side of the News, co-hosted by Timothy Saunders. Andrew Curry, myself, Cynthia, and we shall return after the break. 
the other side of midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hudland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcaster to provide you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. theothersideofmidnight.com and click on the banner for tonight's show. It's Kobayashi Maru, Outwitting the Simulation. And I'm going to continue now. I'd like to bring on my guest. She's been so patient. I'd like to welcome to the show Hattie McCutcheon. Hattie, are you there? Yes, I am. Good evening. It's been an awesome discussion. Well, Thank you. I'm so happy to have you join us. I asked you to be on the show because I happened to be on another conversation, and I heard you give a report of what was going on in New York, and I felt it was really important that you share it. I want to let the audience know that Hattie is a holistic health practitioner, and if you'd like to reach her, her information is on the page. And Hattie, would you please share with us what you were sharing on the call because I couldn't believe my ears. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was listening to one of the New York radio stations because, you know, New York is supposed to be the epic center of crisis. And the radio hosts were, were explaining that they wanted to see for themselves. So they took the show on the ground of New York and to visit the hospitals and to visit the different testing sites. And what we saw was hospitals, no activity, nowhere. There was no one standing in line. There was no one standing in line or sleeping on the floors in the emergency rooms. I mean, there was just no activity, none. And so the question was raised, where is this Where's the drama? Where's the crisis? Where's everybody standing in line? So, and then a girlfriend of mine in Chicago decided to do the same thing. So she got in her car, she took her kids, and they drove around to some of the hospitals. And again, you know, the ambulances were sitting there just chilling, but there was no activity. So, oh my gosh, that's incredible. That just fits with <laughs> uh, the report that came from the nurse in New York. You know, I just wanted to add something to that because I was listening to Dr. John Bergman. Um, he's a naturopath out of, um, he's in San Diego. Anyway, he was giving a lecture and he showed the statistics. And 
he talked about the testing that is taking place and that the testing is looking for certain chemicals in the blood. And the chemicals in the blood are similar to the same chemicals that if you were taking medications like high blood pressure, metformin, and other drugs which the whole majority of our people are on, that you would get the same test results, COVID-19. But if you have any of these, if you're taking any kind of medications, which most people who have issues are taking, they're automatically going to say you have COVID-19, which has increased the stress tremendously, right? So that has impacted people's health more than anything because people are just afraid that because they know they have a disease and if they get sick, doctors are basically saying there's nothing they can do for you. And now the media is teaching us that we don't have respirators. So so so-and-so's got to die because we got to save this one. So it is causing a lot of stress in in, in the nation unnecessarily. And we know, of course, that when you have stress, it raises the levels of cortisol, which weakens the immune system. So it's like a double attack. But the, you know, the point is that there are, there are many such stories to tell. Um, I mean, and also good evening, Hattie. Huh? Is it that right, Hattie? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Good evening. Very, very, thank you for coming on. I'm delighted to, uh, to, to speak with you. Thanks. Um, now, it's very interesting you're saying this. What, may I ask when, when this happened in New York? You're saying that uh, you know, somebody went to go and check out the hospitals. Was that recently, in the last few days or the last week or so? This was the last few days. Last few days, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this is where we are because we're living in a time when, frankly, personally, uh, there are no facts. There are no facts which can really be verified or confirmed because everything has a little bit of wiggle room. And, uh, you know, for example, this evening, um, one of the people that is also marooned here in, uh, in Florida, in the same, uh, in the same apartment building, um, as, as I'm, I'm very happily staying in, uh, he was telling me that he normally, uh, he's a practitioner out of New York. Um, I won't, say what he does or, or whatever, but I mean, he's, he's not a doctor, but he, he is definitely involved in, uh, uh, in the medical circuit and also in um, healing people and helping people. But, you know, he, he said he has uh, just people in New York who are doctors and who are staff that, you know, make up teams to help these doctors in, in a hospital. And uh, the message that he was getting was, you know, from friends who he trusts, was the basements of these hospitals are filling up with body bags, which is a very, I can hardly believe I'm saying these sentences really, but I mean, this is the point. So this is the message I'm getting from this guy. Now, I, I don't think he has any reason to lie to me or anything along these lines. I don't mistrust him. I've had very good conversations with him the last, last couple of weeks or so. Um, so he's getting information from somebody he trusts in New York area they are then reporting what they've seen or what they've heard. And it comes down to the fact that I don't really want to go into, you know, being disrespectful about it. Anybody who really is sick or is passing away or is, is, is ill at this time, but it comes down to a graphic, a graphic idea to 
bring shock and horror, like, you know, a basement full of body bags. That sounds like something out of a movie script. It is like something like the, the thousands of urns, more than the numbers uh, require in China. You know, there's always these sort of like sensational sound bites, which, you know, if they are true, I say with the greatest respect, if, if it's true, then of course I, 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 I eat my words and I, I apologize. But my point is that it's all sensational. It, it's absolutely, you know, pointing sharp fingers in our chest to sort of like, you know, make us feel discomfortable, dis-ease. Uh, as you said, Kintia, the, uh, the immune system doesn't work well in this like fight and flight mode. And uh, everybody, everybody, many people are suffering from normal, normal other coronatype viruses, which we've all had before. And we, we will probably have many times again, uh, because there are many such viruses around with the same name, same type. Um, and we all live to tell the tale. So my, my point is, it, why the hype? Why is the world on lockdown? What is the real agenda? And maybe it is, it is purely a, it, maybe it is an absolute natural pandemic. Maybe it really is. But let's just be very clear that under the umbrella of this natural pandemic, there are all sorts of organizations which are looking to milk it and make the very best out of this situation for themselves. And I think that is something which I'd like to talk about a little bit more as the show goes on. Another thing that I'd like to bring in here, because Hattie had another piece of information that <laughs> startled me, and that was regarding 5G. Hattie, would you like to share that information? Oh, wow. Well, <clears throat> would you mind if I responded before I did that one? Sure, please. Because there's two things I think is really important. I was listening to NPR, and they were giving an expose of how the Cubans took in the ship, you know, the cruise ship over a thousand people that nobody wanted. And, um, and this is a nation of 11 and a half million people, third world country. They've had 40 cases of COVID-19 and one death. Question, what are they doing that nobody else is doing? Because obviously they're doing something quite right. One thing that NPR mentioned was they are using this this um, these, these antibiotic called hydrochloroquine and vitamin C. Now, here they tell us that there's nothing they can do for you. You get sick, you just out of luck. And but they tell you, the scientists, the doctors all say, build your immune system. But nobody gives people instructions as to how to do that. And that's one of the most important things. I know that's what, that's what I do is help people figure out how to rebuild your immune system. And if nothing else comes out of this, if there's any other lesson to be learned, we know that that's the key. We're going to keep having these viruses. We've, it seems like every six years they come up with a new one. And at the end of the day, our savings grace is building the temple. And that's an easy thing to do. You know, just mineralize the body's temple, alkalize the body's temple. But 
Bill Gates gave a talk in 2014 where he says the new epidemic and we're not prepared. And in it, he talks about, he don't mention cold, cold, you know, uh, the coronavirus. He don't mention it by name, but he talks about this virus that's, that's going to happen and how it's going to impact your respiratory system and millions of people going to die. And what we have to do is mobilize the National Guard and the Army, create a vaccine, and make sure everybody takes it. So to me, that's really what's going to happen, because they've already set it in motion. Now, the question is, force people to take this vaccine. Hati, there's also one more important point to add to that as well, is that um, Bill Gates also wants everybody to have some form of either electronic or uh, type mark or tattoo or something along those lines to signify either that you've been vaccinated or or not, or that you've had the virus and you've built up your own immunity. And it's going to impact whether or not you get a job or not, whether or not the kids go to school or not. So we have some interesting days ahead, but that's in line with this 5G, right? Uh, Let me see. Um, There's a company, I think it's called, I'll get the correct spelling of it in a minute. They make it. They make the point that when they that with this 5G, you need these massive numbers of towers. Now we already know that 4G, 2G, have, they've already named them as cancer-causing radiation. Will definitely cause cancer. This 5G, they say, is going to be off the charts in terms of it, the, the radiation impacting our neurological system. Um, and that it will create more of the more diseases, more viruses like COVID-19. And they give examples not only for China, but in other, in other, uh, other parts of the world where they're starting to build these towers and you're starting to see an impact in terms of people's health. So, ah, I don't know what to do about that one, but I'm not feeling 5G now. The other thing about the 5G was, I think it was Taiwan just recently, just recently, um, with lockdown, young girl left her house after the curfew, went to the store. 15 minutes, they tracked her, found her, locked her up. Where else is this happening in the world? And this is all about 5G, being able to track you in your house, on the street, Accessing your computers, accessing your phone, the whole nine yards. It's like we have freedoms with this thing. <laughs> hey, Kinthea. Yes. Um, so, Hattie, it's Andrew Curry here. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Andrew. Um, you said something really interesting off the top where you talked about um, the visits to the local hospitals and it's really quiet. This is a theme that we have uh seen repeating over and over again um now we don't know who everybody is that, that that's that's doing these visitations but it is worldwide seems to be a theme that is that is being um picked up by more and more people that a lot of hospitals don't seem to be very busy in terms of you know like for the proportion again what our media and our governments our medical officials are, you know, waving, like Tim said, sort of po- pointing the finger or waving their hands around. 
we're not seeing the reciprocal um, you know, result, at least in terms of a, an, an, an anecdotal um, experience. So it's interesting that you should say that, and that kind of confirms anecdotally what's also going around the world. You know, the other thing, too, that, that's different is, like, are you here on the media is how people are not abiding by the six-foot rule. People are not wearing masks. People are just ignoring everything. But that's not what I see. Mm. You know, I, I'm walking in projects. I'm walking through the hood, and everybody has a mask, even their kids. When I go to the market, everybody is six foot apart. Everybody has on gloves. But the thing I'm loving is that even though people have this need to be quarantined sort of, there's still this sense of unity, camaraderie, like we're all in this thing together, which it feel like people are afraid of each other, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? When I look at the media, it's almost like people, people are about ready to start doing crazy stuff. But I don't feel that at all when I'm walking the street. Well, you know what's really interesting, Hattie, is um, one of our friends, Robert Morningstar, he often comes on Richard's show, and he has his own show on Sunday mornings. Um, he talks about, or he was mentioning in an email, that we, we have a group, different groups that we talk, and he was saying at around, I think, 7 p.m. every night in New York, or at least his part of New York, this is where he lives, people open their windows and just start banging like they're banging drums and howling and singing and just going crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know there's an article in new york um there's a uh, a black rapper that everybody they talk everybody like you say getting into the windows just start singing yeah. just like in italy right where we saw yeah, people yeah, yeah. opening up their wood on their balcony singing playing the piano their horn and everything yeah. i mean we have been so creative through this thing it is absolutely exciting well, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that um, you know one of the big features that we talk about amongst ourselves, you know, sort of off the air and off the cuff, is what is the big thing that's being taken away from us? You know, for uh, we're being told very practical reasons, and that's the social distancing, this this self quarantining, this. I mean, David Ike would call it a global house arrest, right? But however you want to frame it. It, it's almost like our, our humanness is being challenged on a level. Like our, our culture is so much a part on any culture of being together, but somehow we're finding a way to keep connected and it's not digital yes. all the time. Yeah. You know, in Chicago, there was a neighborhood. Um, it was in one of the local papers and all the mothers and some men came outside to exercise together. They were, they were six feet apart but they were exercising in the middle of the street. Wow. I mean, people are finding a way to be together and not be together. It is so freaking awesome. That's how you know that we are one. Yeah. That we are one. And that's what's so powerful about this because they're not going to take that away from us. No way. No way. Well, I think this is the, 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 the fuel that can feed uh, a way to get to the light to the end of the tunnel, frankly, because... At the end of the day, you know, this virus, like you say, is going, to, is going to be one of many more in the future and many of, you know, ones we've already dealt with and survived. So we're not going to be able to change this. These things um, tend to sort of, uh, what's the word, evolve, evolve and, and um, change over time. Um, so 
really what we need to do is to find a way to, to coexist with this and to exist with this and to continue with our life and to continue our in, in, in a human way. We need, we need to be smart. We need to be clean. We need to be careful. But on the other hand, we need to, we need to remain human beings. And, you know, that is, that is doing things together. So there are some plus points. Um, ironically, with all of this, you know, suddenly most people are at home or, in, you know, they, they have the chance to read. They have the chance to study. They could study a language. They could, you know, do some home improvement. They could, you know, do whatever they want to do. They can spend more time with their kids. They could, they could do puzzles. They could, you know, whatever it is, it's just they could invent that thing that they've always wanted to do in that life. You know, instead of focusing on the negative, this is a wonderful opportunity to, to actually catch up, catch up, balance, um, you know, uh, meditate if that's what you're into or pray if that's what you're into as well, or, or even just, you know, just to self-improve. I don't, I don't see why people are complaining. I, I know people are complaining for obvious reasons, but what I'm saying is given this situation is here, above that, you can look at the, the glass as half empty or half full. And uh, until we know what the real facts are, which I don't think we do at the moment, then I think really think the best way to proceed is in a positive way and in a calm way, because we yeah. will get through this. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I'm, I'm also of the strong opinion that while this is a very difficult, challenging time, being in a sense forced to get off of the rat race wheel and allow yourself time to be quiet is going to open up other senses that we humans have. You know, we have ways of in taking in information and we've been so busy paying attention to the outside world that we haven't been paying attention to the inside world. And I think that this is a time that's pushing more and more people to tune into that inside world. And that's where we connect. That's where we connect by heart. Um, one of my items there, number four, as is a, a video. It's called Thank You Coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it's, a beautif- it's beautifully done. But it highlights, while this is a very tragic time, it's going to be devastating for many people, not only health-wise, but economically. It also can be a very fruitful time and a time to become more aware of the gratitude for what we do have. You know, they, they often say, you, when you miss it, then you really appreciate what you had. And I truly hold it we as a species are more alert this time we're not going to let them take over i i really feel that this is a time when we need to hold strong and be true to our hearts and not allow panic to rule us i'm just unmuting sorry kintia you you use the keyword they, and of course, 
we all want to know who they are. Hey, the mysterious day. <laughs> yes. Well, but Tim and, and Kinthea and Hattie, I mean, here's another example. So again, on my local news just last week, uh, there was a, a, a surgeon, a Vancouver surgeon, who was tested positive with um, COVID-19-like um, symptoms or whatever. So he had to go home, self-contain. And of course, the media grabbed this because he's a frontline worker. And they're making our frontline workers sound like soldiers on a battlefield. And I, I have a little bit of a problem with that. I, I understand the sentiment. But anyhow, he begins to talk and say, yeah, no, I'm here. And, and the symptoms are mild. Then he begins to talk about Taiwan and how they're doing quite well. And the reporter says, thank you very much, Dr. Such and Such, and cuts them off. So there are agendas behind the scene as Hattie has pointed, there's something going on slipping around that we have to be conscious of that I know exactly, Kinthea, like you said, touching on it, and, and Tim too. We want to stay positive. We want to stay calm. We don't want to overreact like Hattie said. And she's giving us ground truth examples of that across the United States. Here in Canada, there was a fellow playing his bagpipes and everybody all, you know, usually that would drive people nuts and everybody was cheering out their windows. So it's human culture. It's our humanness that unites us, and it's a strengthening of that culture, whether it's a pop culture, whether it's a traditional culture, whether wh however you define yourself. And that's what will unite us is to absolutely hold those values and don't let anyone or any agenda ever snuff that out. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And doesn't it feel really dehumanizing to be forced to wear those masks? It's like wearing a burqa. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you bring up the masks. It wasn't so long ago that uh, Mr. Trump was saying uh, how he was able to short, make a shortcut so the FDA could approve non-medical masks and so suddenly make millions available and also place orders for millions more. I think something in the region of I don't know, 33 million masks were first made available because of the change the F FDA uh, approvals. And then I think something, I, I, again, it's hearsay, but something in the region of 120 million masks were ordered. Now, do you think there's a correlation between being one hell of a lot of masks being available and ordered and the fact that now everybody has to wear one when they go outside? Um, now, maybe a mask does help. Hattie, do you, do you have any feelings about that? Can maybe squeeze it in before the break or just after? Well, I think I think I think wearing a mask is important. One because the virus is there because for whatever the reason is there, and if you are wearing a mask, you you minimize your chances of inhaling it, breathing it in. If someone's coughing and sneezing, you will not inhale it, breathe it in. So wearing a mask protects you, both ways. So I don't have a problem with it. I wear mine every time I go out. Mm, but doesn't that depend on the size of the spores? Or I mean, spore is a word I'm using. I have no understanding what a spore is. But spores are supposed to be pretty big, so they're not just you know what I mean. They can't just be absorbed in. They're not like really tiny spores. So, and thing I love about what's happening is that there's a group called the Group of Women. Oh, this is a great stuff. Thank you. 
theothersideofmidnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Search the archives. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. to the other side of midnight. Co-hosting tonight is Timothy Saunders, Andrew Curry, and myself, Kinthea, and we have our guest, Hattie McCutcheon. And we were just talking about masks and hospitals and who they are. And uh, jump in. I heard that. (laughs) May I I jump in? I was just going to say that Early in the year, I was in Italy, and uh, right now, where obviously Italy is completely closed down, so are many other countries. But I was in, let's say, on eastern eastern side of Italy, around around Ancona, that sort of area, and uh, the red zone was sort of coming closer and closer by the day. You'd sort of see it creeping up on on a, on a newsprint uh, page in the newspaper every day, was showing how this epicenter was getting closer and closer to where I was uh, staying. And, uh, you know, of course, at that point, I was being smart. I wanted to get well-informed and, and understand if a mask was really going to help or not help. But at that time, the advice I was given by, you know, people not just in Italy, but people around the world uh, who were kindly giving me, you know, good suggestions at that time, was saying that the virus is not airborne uh, unless somebody actually sneezes or coughs in your face. Um, to wash hands, obviously, we know about it 100 times now, but a million times now. But the idea of a mask would be to wear a mask if, if in fact, the person is infected. But if, in fact, if, if you're not infected, there's no need to wear a mask. And that was because the, uh, the little tiny uh, particles would not be restricted by a mask if, 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 you, were, you, know, if, if you were healthy, if you, you know, before, before contracting the, the virus, the mask would not prevent uh, because it can also go in your eyes or it can go in your fingernails or it can go anywhere else that, that's around you. So, you know, the the management of this, and I use the word management and information, I think is something we should really get into. I mean, I can't believe how quickly this show is already disappearing, but we have around 27 minutes left to to finish quite a lot of things. Where in fact, we're just getting started. Um, but the management of the way this, this virus has been dealt with, um, I think is, is fascinating. I put a number of points in my section of Radio With Pictures. And uh, if you go to the other side of midnight.com and then click on tonight's banner, uh, come down to a little fast link, which says uh, fast link to Timothy's items. And in there you can see a number of videos, YouTube videos and so on. 
Now, I'm not going to discuss them all at great length because, uh, in my opinion, uh, this is not the best use of time is to discuss those all in great detail now on the show. I think what I should do is just highlight them and just uh, invite you to take a look at them. These are not sort of randomly chosen. I've chosen very specifically for um, you know, their content and also the people who have written them. So the very beginning, I'm just going to list them. I won't go into the great detail, but just to, to, to list them, my, my second link is a uh, an interactive website, which was created by the uh, Johns Hopkins Whiting School of Science and Engineering. And there are, there are a number of them around the, world, uh, around the planet as well, showing like a world map and uh, red dots or, you know, uh, the num- suggesting the number of people infected, the number of people who've died, the number of people who have survived. And, uh, you know, these numbers, which... I would imagine millions of people around the world probably sort of wake up and they look on their smart device and the first, one of the first things they do is sort of check, you know, what messages came in, what emails that came in, what, you know, it's a message from their loved ones and so on. But also pretty soon into each day, I'm pretty sure a lot of people would look at this world map and say, my God, you know, this big red dot has got even bigger. This whole country has turned red now. This is locked down. This is this, this is that and so on. So again, this is like a real-time estimation based on statistics. Now, one of the, the, the terms that kept on coming up in a lot of um, the media I was listening to earlier in the week was the Imperial College of London um, made a, uh, just a, a set of statistics, which apparently it seems a lot of people are referencing. I didn't mean a lot of people in the UK, a lot of people globally. And uh, I'm, I'm very interested to know why, you know, the, all of the different institutes and smart people around the world, why they would all want to use this one from the Imperial College London. Um, But they they basically projected the figures, one of these graphs that goes shooting off the page, um, saying that, you know, within a certain number of uh, days or weeks, I can't remember the exact uh, information. I think, you know, it's a good idea if you go and listen to things in context yourselves. But in a certain number of weeks, the prediction was something in the region of 500 million people in the UK excuse me, 500 million people, that's far too many, 500,000 people in the UK um, would contract the coronavirus and the coronavirus or or COVID-19, again, it's not very specific. Um, Actually, even when Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the UK, when it was announced, it was said that he showed the symptoms of a coronavirus as opposed to the coronavirus or COVID-19. So it's interesting, even when people... You know, uh, in, in the public figures um, uh, going down with these uh, announcing that they actually have this, they're actually the, the choice of words is very particular. So going back to the point that estimate of 500,000 people contracting this virus in a certain number of weeks, well, that put a lot of countries on panic. It put a lot of organisations on panic. It put airlines, it grounded airlines, and so on and so on and so on. Now. What's very interesting is that if very recently, I think at the beginning of this week, the same institution, Royal College of, sorry, the Imperial College in London, they said, oh, we've made a slight uh, modification now. Instead of 500,000, it will be something more like 20,000. Uh, given, And of course, then they can say, ah, because everyone's reacted so well and the advice was so good from the government, 
In fact, it's not going to be half a million, it's just going to be 20,000 people, casualties. So it's a win-win for the organizations because they all want to look good. But the numbers are very, very different. But of course, that set up a wave of panic and hysteria around the globe. Now, there's also the same Imperial College uh, going back to another outbreak, which was initially, um, I think, sort of you know, blamed on the UK, was the foot and mouth uh, outbreak of cattle like sort of, you know, in the UK. And, and because the Imperial College made, again, a graph that went shooting off the page, there were literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of animals slaughtered and burned in fields. It was like a mass culling of these animals, you know, cows, sheep, pigs. I don't know exactly all the details, but I remember certainly some years ago seeing on television these big piles of bodies of animals uh, being burned. Now, actually, afterwards, it was shown that the Imperial College actually made a mistake and maybe the mass culling was not the right thing to do. But after the mass culling, the government bailed out the farmers or certainly brought in new legislation and bailed out some farmers. And, uh, you know, business went on, new animals came in, new animals were bred and so on and so on and so on. So that was a major reset of that industry. So we've, I think there are precedents seen where this sort of system has happened before, this, this setup has happened before on a much smaller scale. But what's very interesting now is because we're all so connected is that this wave of panic and hysteria has gone right around the planet, shooting right around the planet. Now, that's not because of social media alone. It's not because, you know, my friend in, uh, in, in Singapore, I talked with him last week and he said, oh my God, that's terrible, let me do the same. It's not just because of that. It's also because the governments are, in my opinion, allowing them this to happen. Allowing the, the management of this this outbreak, the management of this pandemic is, is very, very questionable. Even last Sunday or Monday, I think, I forget which day it was, I was listening to a reliable source who said, yeah, 20 flights came into London uh, from New York. Um, also, lots of flights were still coming in from Italy and lots of flights were coming in from Tehran. Um, and these people were getting off the plane. They were not being tested at Heathrow Airport. They were walking into the underground or public transport or taxis or limousines, whichever walk of life they come, they come and go on. And they were just blending into the UK population. Now, surely, surely these people should at least have their temperature checked. They should at least be checked for a swab test or a virus test, a viral bacteria test. There must be something these people could have done to, you know, at least, you know, uh, reduce the number of people mixing it up with the, the British population. So in my opinion, and I think it's very interesting to see how different countries deal with this in different ways. I mean, Holland is one that stuck out that they have a different tactic. The UK had a different tactic initially. Uh, a lot of these you know, figureheads in these countries were saying, ah, oh, yes, but that's because of the timing. It's because of the numbers. Um, but, you know, countries have shut down in different ways. People have introduced social distancing in different ways, uh, different timings. I mean, Andrew, you mentioned earlier, Belarus was so recently still holding football matches for people in the stadium. That seems ridiculous when, you know, the United States is apparently in sort of lockdown at the moment. 
So there's something very unusual about this management. And what I'd, I'd really suggest that the listeners would do is to go through the items in, in all of our radio with pictures, but specifically I'm highlighting the ones in mine right now. And it may take you, you know, it may take you a couple of hours. It may even take you three hours to go through some of these videos and things I picked out for you. Um, but very interesting, Dr. Bruce Lipton, previous guest of The Other Side of Midnight, I absolutely highly recommend you listen to as much of his work as possible. I think he is a game changer in the industry. Um, different understanding of how we are not a product of our uh, DNA alone, but we are actually a product of our perception of our environment. And I think that's something which is really, really definitely worth listening to. My uh, link number uh, four is uh, from David Icke. Uh, David Icke is somebody who a long time ago was ridiculed for coming out with all sorts of really unusual theories. Um, he was the laughing stock of the UK and, and actually the laughing stock of many other countries around the world for saying various uh, unusual things. It's amazing how over his 30-year career, the books he's written and the, and the things he's learned and the, the, the way he's actually explained how the, the world is has expanded to having, like following, I say following the dangerous word, but let's just say he has gone around the world and done many, many stand-up 10-hour uh, discussions, presentations about how he sees the world and, and up to like 10,000 people have been paying to go and listen to him. Now, it's not like a, a messiah thing at all. I just think that the more he does, the more he seems to make more sense. So in other words, if I had the choice to listen to David Icke right now or what I'm seeing on the news, I most definitely recommend David Icke would uh, speak, speak more sense than the logic that I'm seeing on the news at the moment. So I'd, I'd highly recommend, you know, you again with, with a, a pinch of salt, as we say, in other words, with, you know, a good amount of healthy skepticism, look through, listen, you don't have to follow everything David Icke says, you don't have to follow anything he says, but the point is it will make you think, and it will make you, I think it will make you see things in a slightly different way. My point number five, uh, this is going to take a little bit longer, this is three interviews by uh, John Rappaport. Um, who I think is an excellent journalist. He, he has an excellent track record. He references everything. You know, his sources are uh, legitimate. He's not speculating unless he tells you he's speculating in this particular paragraph. But I think he's a very serious and solid journalist and, and somebody I'd very much like to have on the show uh, sort of in, in the near future. But I'd highly recommend you listen to his three interviews he did there. And incidentally, his, his, uh, his interviews have been knocked off YouTube, strangely enough, YouTube, which was also not so long ago banning the use of the word coronavirus. People were saying things like crown sickness or shiny hat illness. And that's the way they were staying with their videos on YouTube. Obviously, that's different now. But go back a few weeks, that was how YouTube was um, filtering building information for us. Uh, so John Rappaport, his, his, his interviews actually fell off YouTube and they were not accessible. I think he had some issues with his own 
website. So Catherine Austin Fitz very kindly provided a, a safe haven for these interviews. And so when you're there looking at this, um, these very interesting discussions by John Rappaport, then have a look around also at Solaria, uh, the Solaria report. And I think Catherine, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz is another guest I'd very much like to invite on the show in the near future. I think her work is, is very solid as well. But again, make your own opinions. Don't listen to mine. Uh, guiding you to some interesting nuggets and information. Uh, and then finally, number six, before I take up any more airtime, is something which just came in quite recently, like literally early this evening. And uh, somebody who I kind of uh, feel is reliable in terms of you know, looking up uh, internal reliable sources said this is quite an interesting um, discussion, the way it's been put together for about Bill Gates, um, who apparently wants us all to have this sort of uh, vaccine. So the whole world should have the vaccine. And then we should all have some sort of electronic tattoo, electronic chip to prove that we've had the vaccine. Um, and I think that's something which is, uh, you know, coming back to Aldous Huxley or, um, you know, this sort of dystopian thing where I don't really want to be, I don't really want to have an identity card. I certainly don't want to have a chip which people can track where I am, when I am, and so on. Um, which also brings open the, the subject of cash. And again, there's so many things to talk about and time is going so quickly. But I just want to park this on the table very quickly and say that, you know, contactless payment has been something which has been around for a while. It's not new. But surely now more than any other time, people don't want to touch cash. You don't know how long ago it was touched by somebody who had the virus. Um, even the idea that it could be 12 hours ago, three days ago, does the virus stay, survive on paper money for hours or minutes or hour days, or is it, is it is just you know, a myth? But it's something to think about. Because when the, if, if, for example, we're guided to continue life without cash, in other words, to continue life with plastic payment, then, of course, the state, whoever they are, will know what we're buying, when we're buying it, where we're buying it, and therefore they'll be able to tax us at source. So that's an interesting point. So without any more, uh, I'm going to just pass this back to you guys because you must have a lot more things you want to say as well. Yeah, Tim, I do. Um with John Rappaport, I just think that's so interesting because he is a very, very intelligent, cogent, and interesting um, uh, journalist. He really is old school journalism, just as Tim laid out. And isn't it interesting that the script and the prompts from my son's game that he was playing, the real-time game Plague, Plague Inc., and he chose the option of a fake pandemic within this little game, one of the big features towards the end when you really want to get a foothold in this game is to discredit and silence the critics. Very, very interesting. Um, in terms of a cashless society, um, well, my wife just went to our local grocery store down the way. And when she came up to the till, they would not accept money. So there you go. It begins. Cash. Cash money. Er 
cash money. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just had to sing for her groceries. No, cash money. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fascinating. Kintia, you've been very quiet on this show. I know you've been so busy helping to make yeah. everything, helping. You've been making everything that's possible. Well, I mean, literally, we we decided to put the show together how many days ago, and you've been. Well, we've all been working hard, but you've been working extremely hard to make this this, this work today. And also, thank you, Keith, and also thank you, yeah, Robert, thank as well. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I've, this is very important to do. There aren't many places where the word is getting out about different perspectives on what's happening in the world, and we need to do this. We have an audience, and we need to do this. This is, I think, imperative. Otherwise, we're going to all be enslaved. And I want to add that I'm not a doomsday person. I'm actually one who really believes that we will come through this, but we will come through it, as Hattie said, reaching out to each other, understanding that we are connected. That is the message here. We are connected. And, oh, Lord, we have to wake up. Otherwise, it's not going to be a happy game, but I think we will do it. I believe in us, and that's why I wanted to do this show with the two of you when you mentioned it a couple of days ago. We've been talking about doing it, but it was like, we can't wait any longer. This is too important. There's too much information to share. So um, that's where I am on this. I feel that this can be not only a place where we talk, but where we invite our audience to share what they know. We want to hear from you as well. All of you. And I want to mention that next time I won't be so engaged with trying to get to show up for the first time. So a way that you could drop comments into us is at the top of the page, there's a place where you can leave your comments. And if you put comments there, we will check them. We will check them and be able to answer you if you don't want to call into the show. I couldn't do it tonight, but I will make a point to be more vigilant in the future. Thank you. Yeah, and um, if I may add, uh, and Keith is reminding us in the back channels here that we will be doing show number two next Friday. Um, right now, our show is at two hours long, and we want to thank you again. I mean, Keith, thank you so much for stepping in again. Keith is the is our engineer on the other side of midnight with Richard C. Hoagland. And again, we want to remind everybody that this is an adjunct show. It's a it's a, a you know a birthing tonight, and you're part of it. And so we've had a little couple bumps here and there, but we really appreciate all of you who have tuned in partially or stayed with us the whole time. And, and maybe we'll come back and look at the radio with pictures items. Um, Tim laid out a beautiful um, uh, diagram for us on what on his items. And they are quite excellent. Uh, he has an excellent description right off the bat. You should really go and read it. Um, and of course, Kinthea, as usual, hauling us all along on her shoulders. So it's it's an it's an amazing experience. We've been talking about this for a long time. We've been throwing this ball around, and we the ball finally landed on the floor, and nobody picked it up. So we all picked it up at the same time and decided to push this forward. And we do. I know I mentioned off the top that we want to have callers, and that's a, a feature I know we want to you know build in if if we can. Um, well, we really want to. It's not if we can. We 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 want to. But we want to bring a balanced perspective. We want to bring other ideas. We want people to bring their intuition. It's, it's, um, I know Richard, he's very firm on data, and that is super important. But data has a way of 
being interpreted in different ways and being filled, coming through different systems filtered in, in interesting ways. So we, sometimes it's our, our gut level feeling that can count. And we want to hear that from you. We want to hear that from you down the road. And, and we want you to add to this trying to make and have everybody put their thread into it. And maybe we can bring this together and, and help, you know, maybe just a little bit of help getting through this. So thank you so much. One of, one of the things I'd like to say very briefly, if I may, is that it's actually said on the other side of midnight the other, the other week, but I, I'm privileged to have uh, friends and colleagues around the world. And I have been talking with people in China, in Singapore, in Turkey, in Monaco, in Switzerland, in Holland, in Sweden, in Norway, in the United Kingdom, in, in the United States. And I've been asking, and Italy, very importantly, and Italy. And I've been asking them very specifically, don't tell me what you see on the news. Don't tell me what you hear. Tell me in your circle of friends and family and village, with the greatest respect, tell me how many people have been proven to have a sickness which directly relates to COVID-19 or the coronavirus. Tell me how many actually confirmed died, how many people are sick that you can actually confirm. Not what you hear, not what you believe not what you're being led to believe through media social media and so on but what you actually actually know about and it's very surprising i had a conversation this week again with uh, my contact in northeastern china and i said how is life there and she's connected with this very large factory with several thousand people working there. and i said do you know of anybody that's died she said no i said your family your, your village no she said we're a long way from wuhan i said okay well it's interesting to know i asked the same question in in italy and I heard that it was alleged that one person, unfortunately, he was a 26-year-old man. He died, apparently, of respiratory uh, pneumonia-type sickness, which was flagged up, flagged up as COVID-19. Um, you know, there are people around us who, unfortunately, are passing away. But as I said at the very beginning of the show, there are always unfortunate people who are passing away due to these things. And maybe the added fear, maybe the added stress, maybe the added uh, anxiety that is brought on by all of this uh, media, media hype is not helping, it's certainly not helping anybody. So I think the very most important thing to do is to stay calm, stay smart, to, to know that you're going to get through this. We all will get through this. And seriously, stick to the facts. Find the real validated facts. Don't believe everything you see on TV. Just because you see a truck full of urns, it doesn't mean they're full of people. Just because you hear a, a, a basement full of body bags, it is not necessarily the truth. We need to know the real facts. And maybe you can come back to us next Friday, call in, and let us know what you find. Because I want to hear the truth. I also want to uh, allow a space here for Hattie, if you want to make any last comments. I want to thank you so much for being a guest. Yes, Cynthia, thank you so very much. And the most important thing that I want to leave the, your audience with, and that is don't wait. Don't wait to get sick, not just from COVID-19, but from anything. Let's take this time to take control over our health ourselves and for our families. Do the things that's required to strengthen your immune system. The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from The Other Side of Midnight. 
we investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus to bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions, questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news.